Why, hello there, everybody. This is T.C. Rollins. And this is Rain Gray. And we are taking the week off. <gasps> we never do that. We never do that. It's the last few remaining weeks of summer, and I'm going to be traveling. Okay. But we didn't want to leave your ears empty for a no. whole entire week. We want those ears full. That would be a full. tragedy. Yes, Pack it would. Full. What we have done is we have a classic... Dirty Talk After Hours episode for you. The way this podcast used to work in the before four times is we would do an elaborate episode every month. And then every week we would do these after hours for our Patreon listeners. And after every single big, long, complicated production of an episode, we would have a follow-up where we would throw in all the information that we learned but didn't make it into the big elaborate production. That is what is coming at you this week. You are going to be hearing our Come Podcast follow-up episode. For those of you who might not have been around, back in the summer of 2019, we did a three-episode arc, one episode on blood, another episode on shit, another episode on Come. I remember that trilogy. Mm -hmm. Yes. So this is the Come follow-up after hours episode it's interesting listening back to it i listened to it earlier today in preparation for this and it's funny because we were just coming back from a two-week hiatus when we recorded this follow-up episode you were in new york at the insects farm and oh. had just done another photo shoot where you did some religious nun play so it's kind of apropos that when we recorded this episode, we were just coming back from a brief vacation, and now we're giving this to you as filler because I'm going to be on a brief vacation, and it was released the same week as this is being released now, but back in 2019 in the before four times. Now I want to do some religious non-play. You always want to do religious non-play. I know, I know, but now I'm inspired. I'm going to go off and do that right now. We'll okay. catch you all later. Yeah, you, you go do that, and then you, the rest of you just hang around and listen to this <laughs> classic follow-up from our Come podcast. Enjoy. Bye. back we are back hello it's been a couple weeks it has i hope you guys are all doing well we got a couple messages from people saying that they would miss us so it's good to know that people are listening to the dirty talk after hours podcasts they like us they they really really they like really like us <laughs> i've been spending the time away i went and rode a bunch of roller coasters with my daughter, which is great. I was in a farm in upstate New York. Suffering for your art. <laughs> Suffering for my art. Dealing with a 
crazy man that you have a love-hate relationship with? I love, I mean, he's a freaking handful. I do love him. I just, he's a handful. Like all geniuses, you know. Well, it's good that you're back. I know you had a harrowing trip coming back that you were, if anybody that follows you on Twitter would know because you were camped out on Twitter because you had nothing to do while stuck in a plane, if you want to go into that. Oh my God. So (laughs) here's the thing. I don't care what Anthony Bourdain says, travel, expand your horizons, yada, yada, yada. Travel fucking sucks. It's it's a giant pain in the ass. I was cutting it really close because today we we're going to record this podcast. And I also have a promo photo shoot for a event that I'm doing in November in a church. And I had to dress as a nun and bring my prayer bench and my rosaries. Oh, no, you had to go and do religious play this afternoon? I know. Oh, oh, how I suffer. But I was cutting it very close, and we we all boarded the plane yesterday. And once we got on the plane, it was one of those abysmal situations. I don't weigh that much, and I'm a pretty compact person. And both of my seatmates kept flowing into my seat. And not only did I get zero armrest, which, okay... Both of my seatmates, I'm in the middle seat, I can get zero armrests and they can both get two. That's not worth getting riled up over. Where I objected is that they then started flowing into my seat space. And I was so desperate, I actually had to block up my foot and use my leg as a wall to keep my seatmate from flowing over into my seat. And once we got on the plane, they were doing construction, I guess, at JFK, and they were down to a single runway. And they informed us... One of the busiest airports in the world. One of the busiest airports. They informed us that there were 30 planes ahead of us to use this single runway. And after we had been sitting on the runway for two hours, they informed us that a weather front had moved in and they couldn't even take off. And... The longer that we were kept in this plane, the muggier it got, the more restless people got. And people, uh, let's be honest, there was a lot of people farting. And the air just got compressed and full of of dry, rank farts in my eyeball. And what I had was uh, access to the internet. And I was uh, doing a tweet storm yesterday. So if any of you all follow me on Twitter, you were aware of... I didn't get home till 2.33 in the morning. Yeah, the plane landed. You contacted me to pick you up because I am normally awake in the middle of the night. You are because you're a nocturnal vampire. That's that's when I thrive. But your husband has to work a normal job. And coming to get you at 2.30 in the morning is not necessarily in his wheelhouse. No. no, It doesn't go well with lack of sleep. He's not a, he needs his sleep. And unlike you, he's not a nocturnal vampire. So it was challenging. I'm not on a lot of sleep right now, but you managed to get me at 2.30 in the morning and I staggered home and got a couple hours of sleep and then knocked out this uh, photo shoot. And now we are recording this podcast. Yep. Welcome to the come follow-up. As promised before we went on vacation that the next Dirty Talk After Hours was going to be the follow-up episode for the Cum Podcast. If you haven't listened to the Cum Podcast yet, pause this, go listen to it. I think it turned out pretty well. It's funny, in my opinion. So this episode is Leftover Cum. 
This is the leftover cup. This is us coming twice. Because what's better than coming once? Coming multiple, twice. Multiple times. Right. We're not limited. We'll probably talk about come some more in the future if there's new pertinent information that becomes available in the world of come. Correct. You'll be sure that we'll be bringing it to you. We'll be on the forefront bringing you cutting edge come. Diving right into this big pool of come research that I've done for the <sighs> podcast. You were talking about sperm wars in the regular cum podcast, and there isn't necessarily sperm wars. There's no kamikaze sperm like was theorized, but there is kind of some sperm wars amongst primates. Do you go on? So they first started noticing that there was an unusual prevalence of defective sperm in humans back in 1974. And they researched it, and they found that humans have a high level of defective sperm compared to other primates. Humans come in at about 27%. So about 27% of human sperm doesn't do anything. That is what I found when I was doing my research. I was surprised at those numbers, but yes, it's correct. And that's one of the reasons they came up with the theories that there might be kamikaze sperm, like these sperm might have other purposes, right? Like to block up the openings or do something else. Cannon fodder sperm. Yeah, cannon fodder sperm. But no, basically these are just useless sperm that failed to develop in any sort of way. So they wanted to figure out why humans had such a high percentage of useless sperm and they studied other primates, and they found that levels of defective sperm were a lot lower. Bonobos have 2% of their sperm is defective. Chimpanzees, 4.5%. Orangutans, 1.5%. And humans come in at 27%. And they were theorizing that it might have something to do because we wear clothing, and we can't regulate body temperature, and that maybe the temperature has something to do with it, or there's other environmental factors involved mm. with our sperm counts or the, our effective sperm being so low until they came upon gorillas and they saw that gorillas had 29% defective sperm. Do gorillas run fairly monogamous? Yes. Mm -hmm. This is what they found is that in primate species... The more monogamous the species, the more they can afford to have useless lazy sperm oh. because there's not as much sperm competition. And they also found that the size of the testicles comes into play here as well. Compared to our body size, the human testicles are fairly small when you compare it to bonobos and chimpanzees. They are mating a lot more often with a lot more different partners. So there actually are sperm wars, sperm competitions going on amongst these primate species, bonobos and chimpanzees. So it would make sense that they need a higher percentage of effective sperm in order to fulfill their biological imperative and procreate. So they need larger testicles. They and have they can't, huge testicles compared they don't to the body have, size. They don't have time for lazy sperm. Yeah. 
And if you think about it, it makes sense because if you look at rat species, they got massive, big. I mean, people Huge. use that as a euphemism, rat balls. Pendulous, dragging rat I guess test- it's not necessarily a euphemism. It's very it's, accurate. The rat yeah. balls are... Un- but if you, if you look at how often rats have sex and that they can have sex with multiple different partners and there's multiple uh. different male rats having sex with female rats and there's when there's a lot of sexual competition, you need big balls to produce a ton of sperm and you also have to have high levels of effective sperm. Because you need to drown out your competitors. Yes. That's what's happened to humans is that as the species becomes more and more monogamous with Mm. humans and gorillas because gorillas essentially live in large polyandry groups where there's one male gorilla and you'll have a lot of female gorillas what happens to all the spare adolescent male gorillas where do they go i don't know go get out of here kid find your own way oh they have to go and find their own women their harem of female gorillas but but the math means that there's got to be a lot of young adolescent bachelor gorillas living by themselves. That's tragic. I would have to do the math. I'd also have to look at the percentage of males born to females because if there's a higher percentage of female gorillas born, then it would all work out mathematically. I didn't do that. No, research. here's it. I believe it's the same thing as with lions. There are actually packs of adolescent young male lions that are castoffs. They don't get to have their own harem and they're just living by themselves. And you'll see this ragtag bunch of young boys like living together and they don't have a, a tribe to be part of. Oh. It's, yeah, it's tragic. They don't have their pride. No. Just <laughs> alone in the world without any pride. Oh. I guess the same happens to male gorillas. I didn't look into that. I didn't look beyond the gorilla phallus. You just focused on the testicles. I was too busy looking at Gorilla Dick, (laughs) and I didn't see past the social structure. Okay. The other thing that they have found is that our defective sperm rates have increased since they started looking at them back in the 1970s. That's because people are getting soft these days, soft and weak. Yes, soft and weak. Maybe they're getting more monogamous. (sighs) I would. think that's the other way around i would think it probably would be more of an environmental uh, it's thing a, they theorize it's more of an environmental impact right the other thing that i thought was interesting and of note when they were comparing the penises of a lot of different species of primates the human penis is fairly featureless and you can find charts. I've looked at them. <laughs> You've spent a lot, spent a lot of, time. of time looking at monkey dick. <laughs> for research and education, you <laughs> for pervert. you all for you all out there. I have spent my fair share about a time just comparing monkey penises. <laughs> but if you look at them, they all have various different shapes and sizes like we talked about in the regular podcast it's theorized that the the shape of the human genitals are such to maximize sperm displacement mm-hmm. and when there's competitiveness with that but they've also found that compared to other primates the human penis is quite featureless there's not as many bumps and ridges and weird twists and all it sorts doesn't of look things. like duck dick is what you're saying yeah and what they find is that the more monogamous a species is, 
the more featureless their dick because they don't need the competitive advantages that these other features have. And they were curious about this because they've looked at most cultures and most of the cultures they found, most of the the hunter-gatherer cultures, they did primarily practice monogamy, but uh, polygamy was reserved for the higher status men in the tribe where they would have multiple wives, but in most subcultures and base uh, cultures, I guess monogamy was the standard. And that's why we have developed small testicles, low sperm rates, <laughs> and a featureless penis. That's what monogamy will do to you. It'll shrink your balls. It will make your sperm weak. And it will make your dick featureless. That's what you get for monogamy. Okay. <laughs> so what you're saying, go out there and start messing around, build up those sperm counts. And you'll get massive huevos, and then you'll have a twirly dick with a little propeller on the end of it. Whee! I don't think you're uh, really selling polyamory there. <laughs> okay, you won't get the propeller. I was, I was propeller dicks. I was lying about that. I could I could throw in uh, the good place reference with the dick like uh, with the wind chime dick. You mm. didn't see the good place. It's mm. really funny. It's anyone listening to it is going to think that my wind chime dick reference is hilarious. If that's you're welcome. But you go ahead as you brought it up. Go ahead and throw it in. Okay, so I'm just gonna be over here shuffling papers. Okay. I you're shuffling it all over my punchline, and go now ahead. the moment has passed. What is what is the 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 reference in the good place is that there was a boyfriend that was made and he she messed up the AI that made him didn't actually get his dick right and she gave him wind chimes as opposed to a dick. So she's like, This is my boyfriend and he has wind chimes for a penis. Hmm. It was not the most effective boyfriend she could have made and she did mess up on the genitalia. Um but it they it was you would have had to have been there. I will have to check out this wind chime penis. It's it's really noisy. Continuing on this thought trail of penis shape and sperm competition, mm-hmm. like I just mentioned earlier, I talked about how the dick or the human penis, I would have to say not all dicks, but the human penis is shaped in a way to displace semen. Mm-hmm. They did find that circumcised penises do displace more semen than uncircumcised penises, but then there's also theorized that maybe because circumcised men have less sensation that they go harder and faster. I don't know if this is the case. I think I read a study with some women where they found that that was in fact the case that circumcised men did tend to go harder, faster, deeper. That has not been my experience, but... I read a study with multiple women that confirmed this, so that could be why they're displacing more semen. Hmm. One of the things that can happen with uncircumcised men is this piggybacking, a.k.a. self-cuckoldry fertilization by proxy. When you're displacing semen let's say that i'm not circumcised and i am proud of my au natural if i were to go and have sex with a woman that just had sex with another man who deposited some semen inside of her i displace some of his semen 
but in the process trapped some of his semen after I withdrew under my foreskin behind my coronal ridge and then went and had sex with another woman, I could deposit this semen that I was intending to displace into the other woman and I could fertilize the other woman with this foreign semen. That's why they call it self-cuckoldry. So it is possible for this woman to become pregnant by a man that she has never had sex with. Wow. Because I, being uncircumcised... And slutty. Slutty and and uncircumcised. And not believing in protection. I can't believe that you of all people would throw around the S word. I'm saying you're banging the one chick without the condom and you're uncircumcised and you're hoovering out some other guy's spunk. So nobody here is using protection and everyone is playing around Robin and banging. So the first woman is having unprotected sex with multiple partners. And one of the men that she's having unprotected sex with is also having sex with multiple partners. I mean, okay, I didn't mean to use the S word, but I'm saying that's a lot of... Are you slut-shaming me? No, I'm just saying that obviously no one believes in protection. And have there been any case studies of this actually happening? I believe so. I don't. I looked into it. I couldn't find any specifics. They have seen this in insects. There has been studies that show this happens in insects, but it is possible for it to happen. Right. Theoretically. I don't know. You would have to go, people would have to suspect there would have to be something quite drastically different about the baby and have them suspect that the father wasn't actually the father and then figure out who the other guy was sleeping with and what guy that lady was sleeping with and whose sperm he collected under his foreskin. There's a lot that would have to be involved to figure out what had happened there. It's funny that you mentioned that because now that we have these new DNA testing and you can do the 23andMe and people will do that as birthday gifts and Christmas gifts, hey, let's all get tested. You keep hearing stories. I was just reading the other day, this daughter, 23-year-old daughter, she, as a Christmas gift, got this DNA testing for her and her parents, and they found out that her father is not her father at all. She has no genetic relation to her father at all. Interesting. As it turns out, uh, men evidently are incredibly driven to pass on their sperm so strongly. That's why we're talking about sperm competition. Yeah, hear me out. That time and time again, they are finding out that men and doctors and lab techs that worked at sperm banks keep using their own sperm. Oh, yeah. So she she was a a test tube baby and that her parents believed that it was her father's sperm and her mother's egg. And it was indeed her mother's egg, but the doctor replaced the father's sperm and used his own. And she grew up believing this was her father and she went and got the genetic testing. And they are finding that all over the place, these sperm banks just had the doctor or the lab tech or whoever was in charge being like, my sperm is the best sperm mm-hmm. and creating all these babies. I did read an article. There was a doctor that he, they believe- It's like 68 children. Or, or I thought it was a couple thousand. Uh, I, th- I, th- I thought it was like 68, but he just- yeah, He was a gynecologist that kept using his semen. Just his sperm. No one else's sperm. Mm, yeah. Sperm competition's fierce. Yeah. <laughs> They have theorized that possibly schmegma might have 
something to do that could play a role in this piggybacking because it's theorized they haven't really tested it yet, but schmegma could have anti-spermicidal properties to it. And it's also sticky and viscous, so it could trap sperm oh. in the schmegma. Clean the other, your the other, junk, <laughs> The other guy's sperm could be stuck Clean in it. the schmegma. Because so oh. you know, obviously this piggybacking, aka self-cockultry, uh, aka fertilization by proxy, isn't such a big issue that we haven't evolved past the foreskin because it provides more utility as a glands protector than if if this piggybacking was actually a large issue going down the line, it would probably have been... So the issue is that the people don't believe eliminate. in soap and water, they don't believe in protection, and everyone's highly promiscuous. I mean, there's a lot of factors that have to play. Like, who, you're, who of the many people have I banged today, and they're all coming at me with cottage cheese dick, and I'm not saying anything. That's okay. Right. My dick is magma free, just so you know, because I bathe daily. I appreciate that about you. The other thing along these same lines is semen coagulation. Okay, go on. They have found that possibly semen coagulation is an adaptive method to keep the sperm in place. I don't know if you've ever noticed this or not, but the first couple sperm spurts of semen tend to be more liquidy than the last few. The The stuff that comes out later on tends to be thicker, more viscous. So the theory is, is that the first spurts spurt out fast, and so they can be delivered closer to the cervix. So the sperm has an e- easier chance of getting up inside the cervix. And then the last couple spurts are more uh, viscous and coagulate really fast. They find that it coagulates fast, and then it liquefies in about 15 to 30 minutes later. That's why if you've ever had kept sperm in a dish for some reason. <laughs> As we saw the footage of the vegan cookie lady. And we will get to the vegan cookie lady. I have that in my notes. It becomes more liquidy over time. So the theory is, is that it initially coagulates to keep it in place. Also, the coagulated sperm could be an adaptation to block other sperm. or The, the coagulated semen could be an adaptation to block other semen from getting up there because it's harder to displace coagulated semen. So it kind of cements itself in place, allows the first few spurts of semen to get up inside, do the business. Also theorized that it could be an adaptation because human females tend to walk upright, or at least most of the ones that I interact with tend to (laughs) walk upright. And so it's harder for the semen to stay up inside the vagina as opposed to other primates that tend to walk on all fours. Mm. Also, there's theorized that the tendency to have sex at night, Mm. people tend to be more promiscuous at night. They lay down after sex. Women tend not to want to get up and run around and do a bunch of stuff after sex. Hopefully, if you've done it right. You're not running anywhere. Yeah, like Ice Cube said, so deep, so deep, I put her ass to sleep. <laughs> That's how you know you've done it right. right. But the coagulation might help cement the semen up in there. So if a woman does get up and start walking around, I'm sure you have noticed if that happens after coitus, you tend to get some mm-hmm. drip. There, yes, there. that is a fact. 
I've always thought that people were more uh, amorous at night because there's nothing left to do. The day is over. You're, you can relax. Your mind's not going with all the stuff you have to do. And I don't know about you all that are listening, but I happen to find dim lighting more conducive for banging time than super bright, harsh lighting. Not a fan. Yeah. I have found that as well. I don't know if it's a temperature thing or it's just a biologically adaptive thing that humans tend to be more promiscuous at night. There's also the lower chance that you're going to get interrupted by Mm. other people or animals or something. There's some weirdos that like morning sex. I haven't peed. I need to brush my teeth. I look like the ass end of rat balls it's just not good i haven't made myself human yet and the last thing i want to do is bang with unbrushed teeth Uh, i've had relationships not work out because they're into morning sex and i most certainly am not into the morning sex i mean it can happen now and then but we've had plenty of morning sex i know but the evenings are more finishing up with the semen coagulation they did examine semen coagulation and copulatory plugs in 40 different primates and yes there are 40 different species of primates there's lots of different species but i'm wondering these again we're talking about these lab coded scientists i have a phd and a clipboard let me see your sperm we are going to study how fast your semen coagulates What they did find was that coagulation rates were highest in species where females commonly mate with multiple partners and lowest in those where females are primary monogamous. So they do believe that this coagulation has some sort of competitive advantage. The Mm. more your semen coagulates and can block up the pipes, the Mm. lesser the chance some other guy can come in and displace it and deposit his own seed. So, yeah, so I'm sure those bonobos and chimpanzees have much higher coagulation rates they've much got sperm counts and huge massive testicles they got massive testicles and they have come like hot glue mm-hmm. they also found that if a male had not ejaculated this is male humans had not ejaculated in the previous two days liquefaction times were significantly decreased so the implication is that men who copulate frequently which may mean that they have multiple partners, meaning with multiple people, deposit sperm that coagulates for a longer period of time. Wow. Moving on to semen ingestion. No. So we're no longer putting it in the vagina. We are now putting it in the mouth. Uh, Do tell. There are a lot of tribes in Papua New Guinea... That believe semen is mandatory for young men to develop. That you cannot reach manhood unless you ingest large amounts of semen. That sounds like a concept that men came up with so they could convince young mouths to blow them. Uh, Possibly. But there's also a lot of other reasons that these tribes have some different beliefs. There are three tribes that I found specific information about, the Etero, the Kaluli, and the Sambia tribes, all of Papua New Guinea. But I guess this is a widespread thing all around Micronesia that semen ingestion or some of these tribes, the the Kaluli 
the boys don't ingest the semen, but they have intercourse with the older men and they get the semen that way to assist in their development. In <laughs> Yes. Yes. Okay. So if your options are that as a young boy, you're either sucking off an adult male or he's fucking you, up the, you yeah. up the up the butt and that's how you're getting your semen i'm saying that i would i if i were asked i would prefer to be in the oral copulation tribe because how are they they're not having proper douching how are these young boys figuring out how to clean their butts they're they're smaller they're smaller built and it's like hey you can't really clean your butt and i'm gonna take they eat a higher fiber diet i mean think about it they're living in papua new guinea and they're probably just surviving on twigs and berries so they're having these little clean efficient rat poops yep ping 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 and and then uh, a growing boy needs his vitamin j's oh and then uh, what about ripping and tearing and and the size purport that just oh i'm not sold on that one i'd much rather be part of the oral sex tribe in the sambia tribe Boys are removed from their mothers at age seven because they need to rid themselves of their mother's contaminated blood. Right? How do they rem- remove the contaminated weak female blood? Well, they perform ritual bloodletting. The process is they take long pointy sticks, shove them in their nostrils, and make them bleed. <laughs> so they... Induce profuse nosebleeds to rid themselves because you need to become a man. And so you need to rid yourself of your mother's poor influence and bleed out the blood that she's put inside of you. I guess it's kind of like a ritualistic menses. Wow. So they shove sharp sticks in their noses. The separation from their mothers is due to the fear of the women in the tribe Uh, The men are taught at a young age that the woman's ability to emasculate and manipulate men is something to be feared. The women possess what the Sambia called tingu, through which they use their manipulation skills. I thought that Western men were afraid of (laughs) manipulative women, but thankfully we're not being ripped from our mothers at age seven. And shoving (laughs) sharp sticks up our nose until we bleed. Yes. Wow. Uh, To combat the woman's sorcery, the men must go through the rites of passage in which they learn to safely have intercourse with a woman because, of course, there's an unsafe way to have intercourse with a woman and she will gain power over you. And there is a safe way to have intercourse with the women. So they need to learn that from the older males. You don't want to have intercourse and then become trapped by the women's power. Wow. Boy, men really get hung up over pussy, don't they? So, of course, the boys... (laughs) have to participate in fellatio with the older men to ingest the semen because the Sambia people don't believe that males are born with semen, that it's something they develop in puberty, which they do. And I guess their evidence is that young boys don't ejaculate and it's something you develop. So it's kind of a self-fulfilling thing like, oh, look, this boy's eating my semen when he's an adolescent and he's becoming mature. Oh, he's getting his own semen now. So that's why they have to engage in fellatio with the older men so that the young boys can create their own semen and so it's a giant properly cum, have sex with a woman. It's a cum recycling. It's like cum reincarnation. So it's just the same set of cum being passed down from generation to generation. Yeah. And it's the same thing with the Etaro tribe. 
The Tara believe that the young males must ingest the semen of their elders to achieve adult male status and to properly mature and grow strong. They also believe that everyone contains a certain amount of life force and the highest concentration of that life force are contained in the semen, of course, because semen is the root of all life and it's the man's power and potency. This life force passes to others through sexual relations and women are seen to waste the life force if they do not get pregnant after sexual intercourse. So, so if they're bleeding, they're just wasting out all that I've precious. given you so much life force. Why are you wasting it? So instead, I'm just going to pass it on to this young man so he can become a man. Mm. Right? As people get older and their bodies weaken, this is attributed to the depletion of their life force. And most of the men do marry, even though they have this very complex relationship with the women. And they have heterosexual relations with their wives, but only for procreation because the fear that heterosexual sex causes them to die earlier. And they believe that homosexual sex prolongs life. And so their heterosexual relations are geared and focused solely towards reproduction. But I guess if you're having homosexual sex with people, you're just swapping your life force back and forth with the other guys. So it's a self-contained loop. Yeah. We could live forever. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's amazing that, that gay men aren't living thousands of years. <laughs> I suppose only if you're, you know, receiving. <laughs> so the power bottoms should be like... Immortal. Oh, yeah. That would be a great comic book character. <laughs> oh, my God. I am the immortal cum dump. That's genius. <laughs> wow, I'm sold. I'd read that comic. I love that. That's like Highlander. I mean, it's... <laughs> But just put the... What is the root of your power? (laughs) Oh my god. I fucking love that. Wow. I'm... I'm, That's... Okay. Woo. I can see the cover and everything and the story arc and oh, my life force is getting low. I've got to (laughs) go. Time for a gangbang. Yes. Wow. Okay. Do, Do go on. The Kaluli culture essentially sees it the same way homosexuality is practiced. However, it is reserved mostly as an initiation for the young boys. Uh, The boys from 11 to 12 will engage in the intercourse. They they don't ingest it like what we were saying before. They're the ones that put it in the butt Mm -hmm. and they engage in the intercourse with the older men who are picked by the boy's father, which I guess would be a strange thing if I had a son to me in my limited Western point of view, going out and deciding which of my friends is going to start buggering my child. Oh. Like, you there. <laughs> I give you my child's ass. Oh. Don't so th- rip it or tear it. <laughs> take Use good, I trust you to take good care. Yeah, I mean, they don't have access to lube, right? How? Spit. Oh. Nature's lube. <laughs> So after the boy's father chooses a worthy man to bring his son into manhood, they go off and they do this because they believe that the semen, again, is needed to gain manliness along with physical and mental strength. Uh, so the homosexuality, they're not doing it because they're gay. They are only engaging in homosexuality because it's simply a way to help the boys grow into men. And they point out again 
that the men point to the rapid growth of adolescent youths, the appearance of peach fuzz, and all these other traits of manhood coming about because, of course, they're taking these boys when they're 11 and 12 and doing this to them. So it is self-fulfilling, I guess. They never thought, we're just going to not fuck this boy and we're going to see what happens because we'll just keep fucking them when they're 11 or 12. And of course, no, look, they're turning into men. It's obviously my semen that is turning into men. There's no control group of boys that aren't getting fucked in the ass. And they (laughs) mature normally anyways. They're not approaching it scientifically. What if you get a guy who has, he's not skilled at pacing or he tears you or you can't, you have to relax. Then you have to blame your parents like everybody else does for your problems. (laughs) Uh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Moving on from semen ingestion, we are going to be going into some semen injection. I did find a case of a 33-year-old male who was complaining of some severe pain. He did have chronic back pain, but he started complaining about a severe pain in his upper arm on his right side and he went to the hospital was complaining of this lower back pain through the physical exam of his upper and lower limbs they revealed that he had a large abscess in his arm which was semen say what now what they learned from this man was he had somehow got the idea that if he injected himself with his own semen it would help cure his chronic lower back pain uh, uh, what upon further investigation the patient disclosed that he had intravenously injected his own semen as an innovative method to treat back pain he had devised the cure independent of any medical advice upon further interrogation Of this alternative therapy, he revealed he had injected one monthly dose of semen for 18 consecutive months using a hypodermic needle, which he had purchased online. But upon this occasion, when he found himself in the hospital with this abscess, the patient had injected three doses of semen (gasps) intramuscularly, (laughs) intramuscularly into his upper arm. And I guess, I don't know why after 18 months he didn't realize that injecting himself with his own cum was not doing anything for his back. lower back pain. So, well, I just got to keep trying it. It's a, it's a long-term solution here. Of course, the doctors were curious. And they performed a comprehensive review of medical journals, Google Scholar, PubMed, and the wider internet to see if there was anywhere they could find use of intravenous semen injection for the treatment of back pain, as well as for other medical and non-medical uses, there were no report. (laughs) They couldn't find any other reports of anybody doing this. Uh, This was the very first case. There were no cases of intravenous semen injection into humans found across all the literature. And this is the first recorded case of, I guess, anybody intentionally injecting themselves with their own cum. I have an idea. My back hurts. I know how to fix this. All I need is a syringe and my own cum. My own right hand. I am a genius. Wow. I think he deserves his abscess. I'm sorry. (laughs) 
eight, 18 months of treating himself with his own cum and nothing had... I just got to keep trying. I, you got to stick to it. You got to believe. Generations of fucking boys and they become men. <laughs> I mean, come on. I think people that choose to intravenously inject themselves with their own semen are probably not thinking straight to begin with. Uh, yes. That's a fact. That brings us to the semen cookies that you mentioned earlier. The last thing I have on my list of things to cover was one of the proponents of the semen facial that we talked about in the regular come podcast mm-hmm. was a lady that is vegan and has a video on YouTube where she describes how to make semen cookies. With great joy and zest, she describes in full enthusiastic detail. This is a woman who loves herself some cum. Loves, loves, loves. She loves to put it on her face, loves to eat it. Wallow She's in it. Huge cum fetish. Rub her nipples in it. Just, you know, lotion herself. The Here. thing is that... The cookies didn't have any semen in them because we were wondering, how do you, we can't bake the semen. It would completely destroy the semen. Yeah. Essentially, all she did was it seemed like she mixed some oatmeal with some water and baked it and then took the cookies out and poured the cum on top of the cookies and then ate them. And you can see her doing this on YouTube. I guess I'll put a link to the video. She's a vegan and I'm sorry, it's already hard to do a good vegan cookie. And she's getting very excited. She's like, oh, these look so yummy. (laughs) They they look like these sad little rock pellets. Like, I don't mean to slander you. I know that you're, she was looking forward to these sad rock pellets. And then the final thing was the jizz glaze that she did on top. Here's my takeaway is that vegan cookies are so bad, the only way to make them tolerable is to put cum on them. (laughs) Those cookies looked so fucking bad. I'm sorry, vegans. They were not. Oh, wow. Yeah. Maybe that's what made them more palatable. And as we were watching this video and watching the process, I you know, she's raving about the health benefits of this jizz. And I'm thinking you can't possibly cook this stuff because it's going to completely bake out all of your little soldiers. But no, it's just a, a coating and the cookies have to cool. So it's yeah. already not good cookies. Well, and the, and the, the, what we cold. know about cum coagulation is now it's all liquidy because she shows us the cum when she starts and, you know, a nice thick coagulated cum. But by the end, when she's pouring it on there, it does get pretty liquidy. Right. Right. And then she, she seemed very excited about eating those cookies. Yeah. I guess you could bake the cookies first. And then just put the cum on them. It's it's kind of misleading because yeah. you don't. They're not necessarily semen cookies. It's just you take a cookie, you put semen on it. <laughs> so she could just have some pre-baked cookies and then jerk her friend off onto the cookie directly and then eat it. That's what I thought would make more sense. I didn't understand getting the cum first. Or put it in the glass and dip the cookies in it like it's milk. Oh, 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 oh God. Oh, my God. Wow. I Okay, visual, visual. Whew, whew. Yeah, she, she could do that. That's, 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 that's fucking fuck. Whew. <laughs> that's all I got for you. I've shot my load. <laughs> I see what you did there. 
Anything else that you care to add to the conversation, Mr. No, Gray? No, that's so much cum. I'm up to my eyeballs and cum. It's a lot of cum. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's all the cum we got for you. We hope that you enjoyed the cum podcast and this follow-up. <laughs> wow. I still can't. I'm still seeing her tipping the cookies <laughs> in the cum milk. I can't get that image out of my head. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Oof. You're going to sleep well tonight. Oh, ha, ha, ha. Yeah, or something. Well, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for joining us. Over and out, my friends. They can't. They can't hear you when you. She just did a little salute, two finger salute. I always salute. do a two yeah. finger salute, but I realize that doesn't quite work. Yeah, that doesn't work on an audio podcast. You were all just given a very jaunty salute. You're welcome. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>